Thank you for listening to True Crime 49. This is a special two-part series. Please listen to Rain and Shine's Part 1, Tom Cody is Missing. The bank teller grins to herself, thinking of her boyfriend. He gets so jealous. All of these rich guys waiting and watching her eyes when their accounts pop up on her screen. So it's nice when they lay about together, and he likes her to tell him the stories about things, like what's going on right now. These young kids, 18, 19, who knows? Hillbilly street kids. One of them wearing shit kickers and mouth tobacco that slurred a bit of chew and had to wipe his mouth at the top of his hand after he'd said, You feel me, homie? They're bringing in these bags of money and they smell like marijuana. If it's over 10,000, they gotta report it. The boyfriend knows this. These guys are dropping four to six thousand like clockwork, all well below the limit to report. But in this case, where it totally reeks, if she doesn't report it, the next person will. When they open the safe tomorrow morning and take one sniff, she emails clicking nail fingers her friend slash associate slash maybe she can get me a job over there if things work out. She emails the scenario briefly and professionally and asks, what do you think I should do? Welcome to True Crime 49. When a few of the managers sitting around talking shit one day realized together they all have these kids with the money that reeks like weed. They all three stopped talking and laughing and immediately looked at each other, almost like they were witches. The fate of others like smoke between them, which way should we waft it? And one of them calls the cops. The cops let their fingers do the walking for just a little bit, and walkways amass. Roads to different towns, obscure debit card purchases on the border of Canada, employees getting paid, employee depositing large amounts at once back to the employer, cashier's checks, heavy to make your eyes pop to think a piece of paper is worth that much, and these checks appearing like salmon flashing endlessly for a moment up into the gentle rapids. This giant stretching thing spans out everywhere, and so they set up cameras and people doing surveillance of a few of the warehouses and a few shops that were on the list. You gotta be fucking kidding me. The cops must have said, pushing the binoculars away and throwing their head back against the headrest. It looks like you're watching a movie. Big trucks coming in and out of these big garage door places at all hours of the deep night. Trucks and trailers always having fresh welds and fresh paint all around the skirt and the edges. The one guy that shows up often drives a fucking Corvette. Search and seizure, they roll up and take all your shit. Assistant U.S. Attorney Frank Russo elegantly stated, Some of the money was literally laundered, meaning they had put it through the washing machines to try to get the smell out, and so it was dried, and it was all crinkled, like if you ever put money in your clothes dryer. The trail was easy enough to follow, straight to Rain and Shine's automotive. Thomas Raines, at 30, was a welder, driver, and the co-owner of an auto shop with 41-year-old Dennis Shine. 
In the spring of 2006, Rain and Shine, with four others, would be indicted in the largest marijuana drug ring in Alaska state history, importing over $10 million worth of drugs. This well-established drug ring showed evidence of operating in 2000 and had developed ways to cloak their earnings in land acquisitions and business shelters. The skunky cash deposits and questionable cashier checks just below the $10,000 mark became regular in the months prior to the downfall of the drug ring. A tattered old ship in disarray, and there are dirty sailors walking everywhere. But where is the captain? The oldest of stories starts out with a guy huddled under a ledge, hungry in the dark. Then there are two men, laughing as they break bones open and eat of the delicious things that cling in there. Soon you have a fire in a cave with women in blankets, soft crying from under the furs, the babies. Heaven on earth, really. To be savored, as pride, greed, and lust fester and begin to blot the body of our history with dark patches of decay. The blankets becoming scenes of nightmares, and new babies crying, not long from now. And the tow truck guy is still burping biscuits and gravy when he sees the list to be towed. He had to gulp. He'd heard about this before. He had just landed a whale. His competitor, in fact. The guy with all the new shiny trucks. The Corvette. They said he recently bought a race car. All of these that were still whole were on the tow list. They opened up those big garage doors and the movie continued. There was the hillbilly street welder's lair, with trucks in process of compartments to be refilled with money and be re-welded closed for the long trip back up the highway. Still blinking in the dark, there's a string of deposits a few years ago that end in nothing. Still blinking, even after the raid on the warehouses. It is blinking associated to a missing persons case from a few years ago. A man last seen in a white pearl explorer found much later burned out up at Jim Creek. On a stretch of East Dowling Road, hidden amongst many auto detailing, mechanic, and part shops, was Rain and Shine's automotive. Thomas Rains found a calling in welding, but made a small deviation into truck driving at the request of a larger organization. Every two to six weeks, 900 pounds of marijuana would make its way to Alaska, welded in flatbeds, spare tires, and other secret compartments. One of the vehicles seized and auctioned, a Hummer with six televisions, purchased by a man in Alabama, hid $150,000 in an airbag. As business increased, the founding fathers of this operation wanted to focus their efforts on more intricate financial investments and smart laundering. They promoted Tom Raines and their lucrative drug ring like it was a regular job with a 401k. Tom Cody jingled his keys and he threw them down in the envelope next to the big fruit bowl. The plump fruit glowing and supple in the morning sunlight. He was waiting for the phone to pick up on the other end. This guy had borrowed a big chunk of change and says now, I can't pay it back yet. The phone doesn't pick up. All right, motherfucker. 
The next call he makes is to a special towing crew in the group. He tells them to roll up and grab the race car. And don't treat her gentle on the way out either. The ass end dragged just like the front head. But it's one thing to press the front lip down under the car. When the ass gets hung up just before the car is on the ramp. And you tug a little harder on the strong cable winch. And the car comes up on the ramp with its ass hanging down, undone, floppy, and wagging ragged. The guy's wife has been going around clucking and flapping around how she could threaten to go to the cops and blow the lid on the whole drug ring thing. It echoed out left undone but demanding a consequence. Another young guy he'd given a shot to. He tried to use Tom Cody's contacts and start up an operation of his own. Using the same roads the same system, even the same supplier? You gotta be fucking kidding me. He called in a special crew to go over to Platinum Jacks and let him know I mean business. They roughed him up and shot him five times. He lived, each one of them. Recovering from that he had died and was a new man with a new life, would he cherish this one? Tensions are getting stronger, like a bridge going out into the fog, and something is on the bridge, and it's too heavy. Whatever it is. The metal is creaking and winds under the load, but everything is still and standing. The seams are stretching in a slow, slow burst. And the guy with the Corvette? The one is still mad about his raggedy-ass race car. The one with the wife? That guy loses a load. Seized in Canada. The blue lights flashing deep in the Yukon. Far from the border of Alaska. A million dollars worth of premium British Columbia. Gone in an instant. He sends a guy over to sit across from him and to make insinuation using things around them. That threat is bearing down and eminent. The largest marijuana drug ring in Alaska's history had, as Russo describes, They seemed to have some good years before things got violent. Then violence seemed to be a tool to achieve their goals. One man hired another to break the kneecaps of a man who left the organization to start his own business. He was shot instead. Another man who lived on Lucky Road was shot still considered unsolved. Rains was unable to pay the substantial amount of money he borrowed. In May of 2005, a million dollars of marijuana was seized and the blame being placed on Rains, indicated by the private visit he received. The biggest problem has been from the beginning of time is that people under your control, if you give them too much leisure, they conspire at their own situation. So give them just enough to survive and have small accomplishments once or twice a year to celebrate with their wives and their dusty little families. And they will grind themselves to grist and die still pulling in the harness. But what happens once you got the trucks 
You got the supplier. You got the garages at each end to take time and switch out the money. You need drivers, and you need a hell of a welder. And then the money starts piling up. Coming off the range, the cowboy's buying new boots come morning. And flashing his money all around town. His flashy wheels are a bit mishandled. The guy who sees the packages coming out into the light of day in Alaska. Watched bundles of money coming out across the border in Canada. He sees all of the money. Pretty soon the welder is running the trucks. A department manager, as it were. The system is working flawlessly, and he needs a hand with all the handling. But how do you bring a guy on? Friend of a friend, he can work his way up. A willing zealot now, who can see himself basking in the praises. And after all this time since the cave, she still holds her court in the bed first. And he will come to you, convinced in himself while he's doing her bidding, and she's bashful when you look over at her. He owes Tom Cody all that money. The race car with the ass hanging down. He's almost in a fervor. He probably doesn't sleep that good at night. And the load that got seized in Canada is like a tsunami coming in the darkness. The thought of it can make him skip a breath. And there's the guy that came over and threatened him about the money. The willing zealot was working on his silencer, which he was very proud of. And his boss came in heavy brow, downcast, and asked him, could he do this for him? Three hundred and eight pounds of marijuana fit compactly into a twenty by eight by two space under the boards of a flatbed truck. Millions of dollars being laundered through vehicles and land, deals as far as the Ukraine and as close as Rain's own father in Alabama. Seventeen vehicles seized, guns, gold bullion, the neighbor's house, three warehouses, eight undeveloped land plots, and even part of a bar. If you remember, Tom Cody was not a lavish lifestyle man. Race cards and thunder jet boats were for others. Cody enjoyed the outdoors, an avid hiker, a land developer, a manager of a large organization with plans to sell the protected greenhouses to the municipality. The zealot eyeing the world like Igor, holding his silencer like a child with a broken lamp. Praises are just a few feet away. He will pass through it and expect warm glory on the other side. Tom Cody's keys jingled as he came down the walkway, seeing Igor coming to speak with him. And Igor is anxious and amped up, and he spins on his heel, a skip slide into a curtain of darkness. The keys falling down to the parcel of land and the Muni will come down through the layers of subdivisions and lots, blocks, and easements and utility corridors, glowing lines across the municipality of Anchorage proper, looking everywhere, and never seeing the keys that had hit the easement to the road laying claim to the end of Tom Cody's driveway. 
No one heard a thing. June 2005, one month after the lost load, Tom Cody was reported missing. A year later, the blatant money trail was investigated and Rains was arrested. By the end of 2005, it was well accepted that Cody was the drug ringleader, and though still missing, he was known to be deceased. Thomas Rains, 33, pled guilty to one count of marijuana importation conspiracy, one count of money laundering, and one count of international money laundering. He was sentenced to 30 years and is scheduled to be released May 2032. Dennis Shine pled guilty to charges of murder and conspiracy for his role in the shooting death of Thomas Cody in his home. He is scheduled to be released September 2023. Many of the others arrested in this drug ring have already been released. The U.S. Attorney for Alaska doled out over $2 million for money earned through auctioning off of the 83 assets. $1.5 million went to the Alaska State Troopers, $428,000 to the Alaska National Guard, and $362,000 to the Anchorage Police Department, who had planned to use their share for overtime, training, and to purchase equipment. United States DEA 2007, July 23, Anchorage, Alaska. The United States Attorney's Office, along with the Drug Enforcement Administration, announced today the body of Thomas Cody was recovered in the area of the Kanik River in the Matanuska Susitna Borough. The body was recovered on July 5, 2007, by state and federal investigators searching the area near where the burned out vehicle, which Cody was last seen driving, was found in June 2005, shortly after his disappearance. An autopsy was performed by the state medical examiner and the body was confirmed to be that of Cody's. The cause of death is known, but not being released at this time. It says in the opening scenes of the Bible, the first two brothers that ever lived, God confronts the one puzzled and says, I hear your brother's blood crying out to me from under the soil. And the tedious slumping as the explorer's tire went down into each large pothole out of Jim Creek into the stands of spruce and birch and alder, a place tucked out of the way. And it was probably those pesky kids joyriding an abandoned car, but the kids stopped just short apparently, and pulled off and backed into a little spot chosen for the lay of the land. And the soft sound of shovels and easy ground the brake lights now showing nothing in particular, as the leaves have been all put back into place, and the explorer rolls slowly over hard ground about another 1,300 more feet, unsuspiciously, where they torch it. The cold stones and sand are relatively dry and bitter cold most of the year, and the next year, and the next, the 5th of July and the muffled sounds of people talking and shovels gently. Then the sunlight breaks across Tom Cody, and the cold air rushes in onto the forest fire of bacterias suffocated all of this time. Tom Cody is crying out from under the soils, but it is silent and invisible. It is in the explosion of enzymes and microbes across the skin of his face, and in the wobbling of his hands and his head when they moved him, up and out of the pit, and in the gasp of the gases, if you can't save me, at least you can find me, the half-sneer smile of a madman, 
corrupted and putrid. Find us online at TC49 Podcast. See show notes for more information. True Crime 49.